guys. Welcome back for episode six. Here, here with me, Nick, and my good buddy, Ronnie. Yeah, how's it, everybody? And uh, please excuse the thunder in the background. But as my grandmother always said to me, when there's thunder and lightning, it's best you talk about rugby on your podcast. Yeah, she sounds like a wise, wise lady. I must definitely give you that. Support for this episode is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trusted Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code PUNTER20 at manscaped.com. If my maths is correct, Ronnie, that's about 12 million balls. Do we have to talk about the number of balls every week? Yes, we do. Until you actually do the maths, I'm going to keep saying it. Okay, I believe you. <laughs> but yeah, Ronnie, a bit of a different weekend. You know, we had a, a lack of bry. Craig, our, our backroom specialist here, joined us on Friday night in Pretoria. You know, we let him cross the Axe and come, come out of Joburg. Had a lack of bry, got to watch some more URC action. Yeah, I can't complain. Didn't do much other than watch rugby. That's about it, too. Yeah, there's just non-stop rugby at this point in time. It's it's really, really lacquer. You've always got a reason to put the TV on, sit on the couch, have a beer, and watch a game. We started Friday night off. The Sharks needing a big win after firing their coach. They got in a 25-10 victory over the Ospreys. Yeah, I know you you mentioned that it was a good time for Brian and Beer and all of that, and we kicked it off with the Sharks v. Ospreys. But it was a boring game for me. I didn't think too much of it. As a fan, as somebody who was looking for a little bit of excitement, I didn't find that in this game. Maybe it's a bit of a dampened performance by the Sharks, considering they've lost Everett as their coach now. But, you know, overall, I just thought it wasn't a very exciting game for both both teams. Yeah, I have to agree with you there, Ronnie. I think, may, obviously, the, the firing of Everett had a role in this, but... Not a not a game to ride home about. Yes, the Sharks getting the win. I think that's obviously the most important thing for them at this point in time. But not a game that really stands out from any performances other than maybe the return of Kerwin Bosch to fly half after an injury layoff. I know you're not a fan of old Kerwin. Yeah, not too, not too much of a fan. But a Chamberlain shifting to 15, I thought it would have been the other way around. But I mean, Kerwin did get the man of the match performance and yeah, uh, look, I think he's definitely shown promise in the past, but he's gone through a bit of a confidence uh, or lack of confidence, um, you know, period in his, his rugby playing career. And it's, yeah, let's see. Let's hope he bounces back because the Sharks need a, a strong fly-off. I know Buddha Chamberlain's performed, but, you know, they played him at 15, so I'm not sure what that means for, for Kerwin going forward. Yeah, we'll have to see. I actually thought Buddha was pretty solid on defense at fullback. So maybe that is something the Sharks can explore. But they've also got Lionel Crenier, who's actually quite a decent fly-half also in the squad at the moment. So we'll have to see how they balance the interests of all those players going forward. Then Edinburgh going down 17-38 to Munster. Munster playing away there, so that's a good solid win for the Irishman. And then we went over to Becher. I definitely didn't say that right, but I definitely deserve points for trying. Stormers 34-26 Dragons. Yeah, interesting that they played in Kadberga. Uh, I also did not. I hope I got more points than you. Yeah, you you team. were definitely closer. Well done, Ronnie. Oh <laughs> yeah, okay, good, good. Yeah, it's just interesting. It was actually a bit of a surprise that I, when I saw that they were playing there, but nice of them to take it to Nelson Mandela Bay. Elizabeth. Nelson Mandela Stadium. So I think those fans deserve a bit of rugby. 
let's say the Eastern Cape is the home of South African rugby uh, to some to some extent. And yeah, well done to the Stormers. I, I mean, what what more can we really say about the Stormers and and the Bulls for that matter? We'll talk about the Bulls in a moment, but yeah, they just are performing really well as South African teams. Yeah, I think as well important to mention that the the Stormers were playing in home away from home and managed to get twenty thousand fans into that stadium. So that was very well done from them to to be able to draw that crowd. And that really speaks to you know the quality of rugby that they're playing at the moment. But it's I thought exciting. incredible tries from that Stormers backline. The one to Ruan Null was after like six pop passes in the tackle, and then he gets the dotted down. Marnie Lobok with an excellent try. Dummies to the left, steps on the inside, steps another player and goes under the sticks. So he's playing with a confidence. He seems to have boosted while he was with the spring box. But yeah, Storm is, Storm is the team to beat in my eyes. They are. And it, it grinds my gears. Right? As a South African, it's great. But, you know, as a, as a Shark supporter, it grinds my gears. And it's well documented on this pod now, Ronnie, that you are not the biggest Stormers fan. Then we look at Glasgow, 45 win over Zebra, Zebra being the home side there. Then we go over Connor getting a 38-19 win over Benetton. And then Bulls at home to Cardiff, 45-9 win over Cardiff. Also immaculate performance from the Bulls. Kirtley, Aronser and Kanan Moody show. That's that's the summary of that game. You know, I'm really impressed with those two youngsters. They've done an exceptional job and, and they've been performing for the Bulls for some time now. Well, you can't really say for some time. We could say a year or so because they're so young. But while that's a, that's a really, really convincing win and they just dominated right from the get-go. Cardiff, it's a, it's a, going to be a tough tour for all these world sites that have come over here. So. Cardiff did get a 35-0 win over the Sharks last weekend. So, Yeah, look, it's 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 that's the Sharks just being lackluster, right? So, we will talk about Everett getting the boot, and uh, maybe that that played into that. I know that's how I felt personally. And you know, Johan Kursen having a, a very good game. Some guys actually called me out on social media saying, "Here's the proof you said you didn't have of Kursen's performance." I'm just gonna say, guys, one game. Let him get three or four in a row like that, and then we can have a chat. Happy to engage anyone after that. Because that's the key, right? What you want is you want consistency in your players. Your springbok potentials or your springbok possibles you don't want somebody that's haphazard that's going to be performing hot and cold i agree with you we need some consistent performance from the guy before he wins me over and look he i was a big fan of him many years ago not so much anymore just yeah i i share those sentiments with you ronnie and then a tough encounter then island leinster at home recording a 38 29 victory over ulster that was quite a game hey but leinster just proving again quality 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 in that side are they they the team to beat in this URC? I reckon. No, yeah, I still like are... the Stormers. Like the Stormers, sure. No, of course. Uh, the Stormers, the Bulls, Leinster. You know, you'll see it with Munster as well, which was a, a dominant performance over Edinburgh, which I didn't call correctly. But Leinster are still fine. That's the team to beat. They're going to go all the way with the URC. But this competition really is shaping up to be a South African island affair, building up a nice rivalry between the two nations as well. The Scots... The Italians, the Welsh really need to pull finger now. They need to start recording some results. I think it's good for it's good for Ireland, right? So as the South Africa teams now competing with the likes of Leinster and Munster and Ulster and these other state teams. Uh, sorry, that's a bit of thunder in the background. I think uh, Mother Nature agrees with me. Leinster, yeah, big strong team, but it's going to do them. It's going to do them uh, wonders playing against big strong South African teams as well. 
Yeah, it's actually just speaking about it now. So if you look at the log, Leinster, the Bulls have played nine games each. The Stormers have played eight. Stormers and Bulls share 34 points. Leinster has 43. So it just shows how frequently they manage to rack up those bonus point wins as well. You know, they, they really are a strong side. Then, I mean, you look outside, your fourth place is Ulster, Lions, very well done there in fifth, Edinburgh in sixth, Cardiff in seventh, Munster in eighth, and the Sharks climb two places there, sitting in tenth on the log now. The world's most average team. There we go, as as you so eloquently put, Ronnie. Sunday, we got treated to a little bit more rugby. Lions 32-15, Scarlets. That was a nice victory for the boys at Ellis Park. Henku van Veek, uh, unfortunately, getting a ban just before the game. So necessitating some changes, but they still came through. And well done to the Lions. They are also putting some proper performances out this year with a very young squad. Yeah, I think it's absolutely necessary with the Challenge Cup that's uh, that's starting well this weekend. So uh, they better perform, and it's good to see them performing a little bit in the URC. Yeah, it's been great to see them step it up. And they are five places ahead of the Sharks on the log, and the Sharks have half the Springbok team. So let's see. Keep it up, Lions. We're backing you. And then, you know, Ronnie, we take a pause for the cause now, and we're moving over to the Heineken and Challenge Cups. That's two tournaments South Africans will, some will be familiar, some not so much. So I thought we could use this episode to sort of give a, an explain on how it all works. What do you rate? Yeah, absolutely. I think we did a couple of episodes ago, a couple of months ago. In fact, we spoke about what the format was, but in all honesty, it's just escaped me. So it's it's a difficult tournament to wrap your head around. I think once you've once you've been through it once or twice, it'll be a very fun tournament to follow along with. You know, not to say that this first one isn't going to be fun. It is going to be very very fun, but it's going to have to wrap your mind around uh, how the pools work. Yeah, and I think as the rivalries develop as well, it will it will gain interest. But I know I'm very keen to see some of the matchups that are coming in this tournament. So I'm sure there's many, many of our listeners feel the same. Especially because we're taking on the likes of, of English teams and uh, and French teams, which which we've never seen before. We've only ever seen in warm-up matches where the Sharks play Saracens or whoever. But this is this is this is the pinnacle. This is the start to a club World Cup. Yeah, super rugby is the opposite. You know, that little sign you get on your review mirror. Images are closer than they appear. That Super Rugby is way back there now. This is the pinnacle of rugby, club rugby, to play three tournaments coming together and and putting on a, a show like this is going to be incredible to watch. Not to mention the number of South Africans playing in France and England that we're also going to now see in action. Absolutely. I was looking through some of the past winners and whatnot and all their photos came up and it was just loaded with South Africans. Yeah, the boys are all over, so it's going to be lacquer to see some of them return. So I'm going to explain then this from the Heineken Champions Cup because it's a similar format that's followed in the Challenge Cup. The Heineken Cup is 24 teams. That's eight teams from the URC, so the top eight. It's eight teams from the French top 14. And it's eight teams from the English Premiership coming together. The teams are then split into tiers. Okay, Ronnie, so you've got tier one is your number one and two finishers. Okay. Tier two goes on like that. But two teams from the same country cannot be in the same tier, which complicates things a little bit. All right. That doesn't really matter much. It's just how they determine who's in what pools. So two pools of 12 are then the calculation that comes out of this. So if we look at pool A for the Heineken Cup now, you've got the likes of Castros, 
Sharks, Edinburgh, Exeter Chiefs, Gloucester, Harlequins, Leinster, Lyon, Racing Metro, Saracens, Bordeaux, and the Blue Bulls. I mean, there's some huge teams in that competition or in that group. And then if you look over to Pool B, Clermont, Stormers, Leicester Tigers, London Irish, Montpellier, Munster, Northampton Saints, Ospreys, Sale Sharks, La Rochelle, Toulouse, and Ulster. Massive, massive teams. And so how do these pools then compete against one another? Each pool is then going to play within itself. You're going to play four games, your team. You're getting allocated. So tier one plays tier six. Okay, so the top-ranked team plays the lowest-ranked team, home and away. For example, so Sharks, say the Sharks, they do have Harlequins in their pool and say Leinster. The Sharks will play home and away against Harlequins, home and away against Leinster. After that, the top eight teams in each pool will go through to the last 16, where they will play one round each. And from there, they'll move on to the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. It's a straight knockout, a straight knockout to rugby. Correct. It's straight knockout rugby. But after the top 16 round, quite cool, ninth and 10th ranked sides will go down to the Challenge Cup and compete in the Challenge Cup. So they sort of automatically inserted into the last 12 of the Challenge Cup. Does that make sense? That makes sense. So we've got a bit of overlap between uh, the two competitions. And so just because you end uh, 9th and 10th, it, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean you're out of it. It means you just enter into another competition. Yeah, and you can essentially go on then to win the Challenge Cup. Which then, obviously, you, you then earn a spot in back into the Heineken Cup again for the following year. Exactly. So it's quite cool how the leagues work intertwined and sort of like a promo relegation scenario, which is quite quite like it's see. And I think that's really going to be cool to watch. So the only difference then between the Heineken Cup and the Challenge Cup is that the Challenge Cup is going to put 14 teams through to the last 16, and then it will be the top two from the Heineken Cup that make up the last two numbers in that pool. And then they follow the same format, knockouts to quarterfinal, semifinal, final. And interesting for me is this competition already determines the venue of the final. Hey? It doesn't matter who's in it or anything like that. The final is on the 19th of May in the Aviva Stadium, Dublin. So it doesn't matter if it it's- goes... Yeah, that's amazing. that's amazing. And I just want to give any listener that followed what you said uh, an award for saying, well done. It was quite interesting to watch the little hamster wheel in your brain tick over. Why are you trying to explain this to me? If only if only the listeners could see you using your fingers. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's complicated. It's complicated. Sure. It's complicated, but it's very interesting, right? So they've given, they've given you the best of all sorts of worlds though there's the relegation there's promotion relegation there's two parallel competitions running you know being relegated to the challenge cup isn't necessarily a bad thing because you can still find your way into the champions cup by winning the challenge cup you're getting to play not just against teams you usually do but against the french against the english the irish the scots the 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 italians everyone's there the south africans now as well and I mean, it's a massive, there are lots of teams involved here and it's matchups that we've never seen before. So I was going through Super Brew trying to, trying to wrap my mind around some of the predictions of who's going to win where and clicking on the history between the, the matchups and there's just never been uh, yeah. uh, matchups of this nature. It's a completely unknown quantity to us when you see guys like, so the Sharks are hosting Harlequins this weekend in Durban. So a fixture you've never, ever seen before. But this really is the closest you can come to a Club World Cup. 
It really is. Yeah, I know. I think uh, New Zealand, Australia, and those Pacific, uh, those playing Super Rugby Pacifica need to take note because, like you say, they're going to be left behind if they don't get involved soon. Yeah, they need to find a way to get some teams put into this tournament. I think that's crucial for them. So, Ronnie, then if you just take a look at previous winners of the uh, Heineken Cup, I'm only going to look at the last three years. So, last year we had La Rochelle beating Leinster 24-21. La Rochelle coached by Ronan O'Gara, having both uh, Dylan Lades and Raymond Rule in that team. They won it. They were finalists the year before. So in 2021, to lose one, they beat La Rochelle 22-17. And the year before that, 2020, the COVID year, Exeter Chiefs 31-27 to Racing Metro. So those were the last three winners in the tournament. And I mean, it just shows the level of competition once again. Yeah, and again, it's exactly that, right? So we should talk about the level of competition and and. There's some serious matchups, and although we've got some big, big name teams, that doesn't mean they're going to be dominant year in and year out because some of these teams, some of these winners are actually playing in the Challenge Cup, and so there's constant movement between the two tournaments, which is which is nice to see. It's a fresh new tournament every year on both sides. It's amazing. And then also important to mention, which we didn't, is that the Cheetahs have qualified to play in the Challenge Cup, so they're an invitational side. They were they didn't qualify through the normal pool stages. By doing that, they're now taking part with the Lions in the Challenge Cup. It's great to see, though. I think the fact that they actually aren't in, involved in other competitions is going to count to their favour because uh, some of our some of our South African teams, especially, are going to be you know they might not necessarily have the depth to be uh, competing in the Champions Cup as well as the URC and any other domestic competitions that start next year. So the Cheetahs are going to be focused, you know, focusing their best players, all of their energy into the Challenge Cup, and I wouldn't be surprised to see if they actually find their way into the Champions Cup for next year. Yeah, that would be great to see, and very excited that they're involved in getting some top-tier competition. So, Ronnie, with that in mind, maybe we should just do our South African predictions for the weekend. What do you say? Yeah, why not? Let's, let's give it a shot. So, let's start with the Sharks. They're at home to Harlequins. Harlequins coming with Henry Liebenberg, Andre Esterhazen, and Vilku Lowe. So, three South Africans coming here. What are you predicting for that one? Who's winning it? Look, I'm, I want to say the South Sea Sharks are going to take this one uh, purely because it's home-based and, and there's, a, there's a bit of doubt in my mind. And, you know, my number one rule is always when in doubt, back the home team. But I just feel like the Harlequins have been around in this competition. They know what it's about and they've got some top-name players there as well. So fortunately, I'm just going to back the Harlequins and especially the back of uh, some of the uncertainty around coaching and and what's happening there in the, in the shark structures. So I'm going to back the Harlequins here. Harlequins win by under five points. So Harlequins by four. Yeah, I'm going to have to go Sharks by seven. The reason I think the Sharks are going to win is because Marcus Smith is not available and he's crucial to that Quinn's backline. So I'm going to back the, back the home boys, the Sharks, to take this one. Then Storm is traveling. They're facing Clermont. What are you picking for that one? Right, so... When in doubt, back the home team, right? So again, this is we've never seen this matchup before, and, and I think I would lean towards Clermont taking the win. But I think the DHL Stormers just have that uh, that surprise, that X factor at the moment that some of the other teams are lacking, especially the South African teams. I'm going to support the South Africans here. So DHL Stormers, but it's going to be a tough one. So DHL Stormers by two. Yeah, I'm going to go Stormers by 11. I think the Stormers are going to run a little bit of magic there in France. 
get the job done. Bulls at home to Leon. So there's no doubt here for me. This has to go the way of the Bulls, right? So they're a strong team. There's they they've been chomping at the bit, ready to go. Mentioned the likes of Moody and and Curtly Orange uh, this past weekend. Uh, it's at altitude. You know, it's it's going to be hot. Or if it's it's if it's not sunny, it's going to be cloudy and humid here on the high felt. I'm going to go with Bulls, and I'm going to put the Bulls by 14. Yeah, I'm going to match you there, Ronnie. I'm going to say Bulls 14 to 16 point winners. Then a bit of a known quantity: Lions facing the Dragons at Ellis Park. Oh, is that not Heineken Cup? No, I'm going through both tournaments that the South Africans are involved in. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> so the Lions. Oh no, I'm I'm going to give that one to the Lions. They've obviously this past weekend good performance. So let's hope they continue that into this coming weekend. Yeah, I think Lions, Lions are going to take. Four. Lions are going to take it. Dragons struggling quite a bit this season, while all whilst teams in general actually. And then Cheetahs also traveling overseas. They are playing Pau. Who are you predicting to win that one? So. This has to go the way of the cheaters, right? They've been practicing together for so long. It has to go the way of the cheaters. Not much to say in that, but cheaters are going to take this one. It's not going to be it's not going to be pretty, but it's going to be by six or seven points. Yeah, I think the cheaters are going to take it. I'm backing them all the way. I think they're a great squad and they have a lot on the line with this one. So cheaters for the win. That in mind though, what is your prediction for overall winner of the competition, Ronnie? I won't, I won't pretend to know anything about the Challenge Cup. I think that one I still need to think about a bit more. But for the Heineken Cup, this is going to be a difficult one to ask. But, you know, Leinster performing really well last, last I want to say last year, but uh, in the last previous competition. Yeah, I'll probably stick with someone like a, like a Leinster uh, to, take the, to take the win. I'm going to back Larry. You're going to back Larry. I just want to clarify something. I, I think that the South African teams won't do as well as we hope they do. And I think that's because they're going to focus a lot more energy into the URC. Squad depth is, you know, it's going to be really difficult to get that balance right. So I just don't see a South African team taking it in the first first season, the first year that they are involved. That's why it has to be Leinster. It has to. Yeah, I'm going La Rochelle, but I'm calling a La Rochelle Stormers final. Well, okay. Bold call, but you heard it here first. <laughs> is, then that, Ronnie... is that even possible? Yeah, it's definitely possible. Okay. I hope. My maths isn't too good, as we realized with the balls earlier. Ronnie, what a week of social media. It's been unbelievable covering it all, actually, is Spoon Corsi's missing, Spoon Corsi's found. Let's just start off very grateful that the man is safe, going through some mental health struggles. I just want to put it out there, guys. Absolutely no shame in struggling. If you need help, reach out, get help. You know, it's it's something that doesn't need to be pushed to the corner. It's something that we can stand up for and, and help one another with. And yeah, Spoo, get better soon, man. Craziness around the world. So Sean Everett, let go by the Sharks. That was... It's about time. Up. It's about time. Yeah, I'm and, not too and, upset about it. Right. The reason I want to say that is because I've been very negative, uh, in my opinion, of Everett, Sean Everett over the years. You negative? Um, I don't think he's... I don't think he's been a bad coach. I just don't think he is, you know, with what the Sharks are trying to do there with a number of world-class players that they've bought, they desperately need a, uh, they don't need a traditional coach. They need somebody that's going to see things differently. And I think that's why they brought uh, Neil Powell in. He sees things differently. He created a lack of atmosphere there with the sevens. Good camp. Everyone was very positive. Everyone played for one another. 
Uh, everyone knew where they stood and, you know, very good reviews of, of Mr. Powell. And uh, bringing someone with a little bit more vision in is great. I think Everett is very much a traditional coach and probably needs to go and find his feet somewhere else and try and do some experimentation with another team, the likes maybe of the Griquas or somewhere like that. Or maybe he should go try, uh, go apply his trade over, overseas and maybe Japan or something and, and, and become a bit more of a visionary, unfortunately. So I, I think the Sharks, you know, it was it was a bit of a knee-jerk reaction, but... You know, it, it it should have happened earlier. Yeah, so I mean, Powell is appointed in a in a caretaker role, they say, at the moment. What do you make, and this leads us into the next topic, actually. What do you make of the rumours that Eddie Jones is being approached by the Sharks already? Well, that's very much a rumour. And I that's... know you strategically placed Eddie's name right next to Everett's name in the agenda point here. So I, I know you believe that Eddie may be coming to the Sharks. Uh, I'm not convinced because uh, Eddie was the top paid coach in the world and it would be a hell of a downgrade to come to the Sharks now. Unless the Sharks are willing to front up a massive, a massive salary for for uh, Mr. Eddie Jones. Well, look, the only other realistic possibility, I mean, he could take on consultancy roles and whatever in the lead up to the World Cup. But the only side really looking for a new head coach after that is the Odysseys. And I don't know whether or not he's, he's going to return to the home of the Wallabies to break it to everyone that hasn't already seen this on social media. Eddie Jones was let go by England, seven years in charge of England. He got them to a World Cup final, three times Six Nations champions and a Grand Slam. And they've shown him the door. What do you think of that, Ronnie? Yeah, it's a little bit of a strange one, right? So I'm, 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 a, I'm a little bit in two camps about this one. You know, I've said, I said it before. A year out from the World Cup, it's risky to to change your coach. You, it's better to it's better to make the call sooner rather than later. So they've obviously decided. Well, this year's performance was lackluster and subpar. So Eddie's got to go. But Eddie has a great. You just mentioned you've just listed off a bunch of his achievements. He's got a good CV, you know, with England. And I think people weren't perhaps looking at the big picture. It's difficult to say. I was, trying, I was sitting in the car today on my way back from work. And I was trying to trying to rationalize why Eddie was gone. I think Eddie is still part of the the previous era of coaches or the uh, generation of coaches and or the likes of Steve Hansen and, and 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 all of that. And they need to make way for somebody that's uh, a bit more of a visionary, right? So the Rossi Erasmuses, the Scott Robinsons, those that that look to more than just coaching on field. Um, it's it's about team chemistry. It's about everyone being positive and happy in the camp and willing to do anything for their teammates and knowing yeah. their place. And I think that's maybe, that isn't what Eddie was. So Eddie's perhaps part of the previous generation and they decided that it's time for a shakeup. Yeah, I mean, so Eddie's been showing the door. I don't think it's a wise move at all, less than a year out from the World Cup. I think he's earned his place. Yes, he's had a run of, Poor results. We had that from Jake White in 2006, but I don't think it's time. If they were going to change him, it should have been after the Six Nations. Getting someone in there now, very hectic, but this also puts Matt Proudfoot in a bit of a silly situation because he left the Springboks to try and make an assault in the World Cup with England, and he might also be without a job very soon. It's a it's a big ask to to get rid of your your forwards coach as well as your head coach at the same time one year out from the World Cup. But if they bring someone new in, so Cockrell's been appointed at the moment. But if they bring someone new in, they're going to bring their own coaching staff. That's just how it always works. So that's going to be a, a bit of a tough situation for Matt Proudfoot. I don't know if there's space for him to rejoin the Springboks. That'll remain to be seen. 
And then Pivak fired. I think not much contestion, contestation about that. Gatland appointed with an opportunity to take Wales not only to 2023, but Oz in 2027. Five-year contract. Yeah, it's a bit of a difficult one. Again, knee-jerk reaction, but the Welsh really have, have been very poor in recent months. So perhaps bringing someone in that's a little bit familiar with, with Wales. You know, he coached British and Irish Lions, so he's familiar with the players. It's not the worst idea. I think I think Gatland over Pivak is is a better move than 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 what England did with Eddie. Yeah, I reckon those English execs are in New Zealand right now, schmoozing the hell out of Scott Robertson, without a doubt, because they would have a well, huge... they can't really. Why not? Because Scott Robertson is contracted to New Zealand Rugby Union. They will so buy him no... out of that. Yeah, right. So that's a that's a big, big ask to get old Scott Robinson out of there, out of his position. Unfortunately, he's just locked in all sorts of contracts there. New Zealand's not gonna let him go. Well, if New Zealand don't <laughs> offer him the head coach role of the All Blacks, I'm sorry, but Robinson's gonna take the English job without a second thought. So New Zealand's gotta put their, their money where their mouths are right now if they want to retain a coach of that quality. Other options, obviously Steve Borthwick, but he has a big contract buyout too. And then Ronan Agara is also in the loop and in the mix there. But yeah, guys, please join our, our Super Brew pools. You know, we've got the Heineken Cup pool code there is WormGel, W-O-R-M-J-E-L-L. And then we've got the Challenge Cup. The pool code there is Snowgill, S-N-O-W-G-I-L-L. Do you have any two cents for us, Ronnie? No, it's not really. Yeah, it is a two cents. I think that... Uh... There's a lot of rugby going on, the Anakin Cup, the Challenge Cups as well. Uh, URC and the, and the Internationals just ended recently. But there's also the World Schools Festival that's happening in Thailand of all places. Um, the eight teams taking part in that. Seven have been confirmed. It's still an opening for an eighth team. The strong contender from South Africa, Great College, who have, you know, I think they've won more titles in the World World Schools Festival than all the other teams combined. So the teams would be Grey College, St. Michael's College in Ireland, Millfield School in England, Cardiff and Vale College from Wales, Trinity School from England, who are Grey College's first matchup starting on the 13th of December, uh, Sedberg School in England, and also Hamilton Boys High School from New Zealand. That's that's something to look out for. Obviously, one more team to be added there. I'm not sure who that's going to be. Hopefully, it's another South African team. Uh, but I think it will probably go the way of the Kiwis. They'd probably get another another team in there. But that's going to be very exciting to watch. Yeah, that's actually incredible that this is going on. And I'm very excited to watch it. I know that this can be streamed online, guys. So if you don't have it on your TV package, just check that out. You can watch that all day. That's going to be incredible. And then I thought I'd end off the episode running with a bit of Saturday about the Heineken Cup. So the most appearances for any team in the Heineken Cup is Munster with 190, Leinster in second place with 188, and Toulouse in third with 187. Point scored, top point scorer in the Heineken Cup, Ronan O'Gara, 1,365, and now he's won it with La Rochelle last year as well. Stephen Jones in second place with 869, and Owen Farrell comes in at third with 794. Most cap players as well, two Irishmen. Ronan O'Gara, Gordon Darcy. Third place goes to John Hayes. And then tries, Chris Ashton topping it by a country mile with 41 tries in the, in the competition. Vincent Clerk in second, Simon Zebo in third. Can't wait for the Heineken Cup, eh, Ronnie? 
So we'll catch everyone back here summarizing that game. And we have a special guest coming up for you guys next week. So tune in. Thanks for joining us and catch you back here later.